No? No. Good morning. It is a real pleasure to be here again. And uh, so it's a sunny morning in Tel Aviv and we are simply jumping in into this uh, um, lecture about the innovation at the core. So I'm putting on my slides. Uh, Leo, can you assist me with that? It's okay. Is it on? Yeah. I can, but they don't see it. I don't see it. You sure it's on the screen? Thank you. Sorry, guys. That's it. I can start now. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So in this lecture, I want to focus mainly on the innovation at the core because I think this is crucial um, for uh, most of my clients and beyond that, I think for any existing companies. And we are not talking, this is not a lecture for startups. Of course, uh, if they want to listen, uh, I'll be honored, but uh, I'm mainly focusing right now on uh, traditional companies or legendary companies that uh, simply has to, they have to prepare them for themselves for the future. So here we go. And uh, there we go. Okay, so we talked about the concept of creative, distru creative destruction. We uh, talked about the fact that it was created by uh, um, Joseph Schumpeter and it's one of the building blocks when you're thinking about innovation. But uh, we're talking, he's mainly focusing on the fact that one process has to be replaced by a new one and on the way to that is going to be a this, there is going to be a destruction of the old one and, and this is the incidence of what is going to happen in this, the coming decade. We talked about it. I'm just remember reminding the people who haven't been here that uh, right now we are heading into the biggest, uh, I think, um, innovation time uh, in the history of humankind. And this is uh, this is uh, the description from Arc Invest, which I totally admire. And this is uh, the innovation platform that uh, has a huge uh, economic implication for the coming decade and beyond that. So there we go. You can see um, the overview and how, how the map of innovation is is looking in the last uh, 240 years. So this has given us uh, the, the ability to understand the, the vast and I think the I think the, the enormous change that is ahead of us and nothing is going to stay untouchable. Uh, each category is going to be disrupted and therefore anyone who is working in any industry should prepare himself. So we are looking at, um, at the innovation from uh, this um, perspective that was created by Sergey Brin one of the um, the, the creators of uh, and owners of uh, Google, of course. And today we are concentrating about the in the innovation in the core, which is supposed to represent about 70% of all the budget and all the efforts that is being that are being done in a company regarding any kind of innovation. So the first thing, the most important thing to take uh, into consideration is that uh, innovation is acting and not just thinking. And... Um, doing in a sense is the best kind of thinking and action leads to insight more often than insight lead to action especially in these times and especially when we are talking about innovation so practically what does it mean it means that you don't wait you don't sit in the room and you think what's going to happen no you start preparing for tomorrow which is the unknown tomorrow okay today 
okay? Don't sit alone in the room, don't wait, simply get started and let's talk about what you're taking into this. You're taking your mindset, which we have to replace the managers, which was leading in any kind of category in each domain for the last 40 years. You put it aside, you take out the leadership within you, you bring out the artists and the scientists, uh, in, and in all of us, there are all these three characters. Don't forget about that. And if you, you, you're you a little bit skeptical about that, please look at your children and definitely you're going to see within them the leadership, the artists and the scientists. So simply use them as a mirror because as we know, our children are really a mirror of ourselves in many, many ways. So besides that, we should be extremely optimistic and in the sense that it's not that good things are going to happen simply because we envision it and we desire it. No, because we are capable and uh, doing what is needed to uh, create this beautiful, uh, I think, picture of the future or the, 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 the desired future with our abilities and capabilities, with our uh, attitudes, uh, being extremely practical, being willing to experience and cooperate with others. This, the coming de decade is the decade of cooperation. Don't forget that. So what we do, we create a very small team of what we call uh, the people who are architects of chaos and who are blossoming in ambiguity. And what does it mean? It's a, and how do you choose them and how do you find them in your organization? It's extremely simple. You take the people who are usually being considered weird, in a sense, outlawed, okay? The people who are all the time nagging about doing things differently, okay? These nagging people. You bring them into the room and you ask one question alone. And the question is, do you think that anything that you know regarding the world, the, you know, our category, whatever, industry, can be totally diminished? Or what if I would have said to you right now that anything you thought about the world is irrelevant? And if you see this stupid smile <laughs> and grim that you see on my face right now, these are your people. These are you people. You don't need too many. You need up to four people. I prefer three people. And if, and to be totally honest, I don't think usually any organization can really carry more than three or, or even support or, or, or even, you know, be capable of digesting more than three or four people in any organization, especially in large organization, good organization where you have you know, very good people who stay with you for, for the longest time, like 20, 30, 40 years. So only these people, and it might be the newcomers, it might be people that are only in medium or low management or below that. But these are the people that can really conceive a different future for your company. So you take these three and you put them aside. You should never put them in the middle of the company. Because if you put them in the middle of the company, they, 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 they are going to attract too much attention and that's what we call, and then what we call the immune system of, of the company is going to be alarmed and everything is going to be done in order to prevent this team to, to create a future that is, is so, so, so much needed. I wouldn't say desperately, okay? So you put them aside, you let them work 
totally by their own, do their own thing. You should give them a lot of authority and uh, a lot of support, but not too much. In a sense, you want to starve them. So once you give them a, you know, a budget, you cut it, uh, you don't give them too many people to work, uh, you put more time constraint as, the, as they uh, continue, uh, you know, uh, progress on the, on the project and so forth. So this is very, very crucial because this kind of people usually strive, strive either constraints. They are totally different than anyone else that you know. And this is why you can't usually tolerate more than three of them. And then what you do, you create for them a sandbox. What does it mean, a sandbox? A sandbox means a place in the organization which is not in the center, which really represents no real threat for your everyday life and for you know the, your, the milky cow business and so forth. But it gives them the ability to alliterate, try new ideas, uh, 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 you know, fail without failing the whole company, uh, try again, and this is where you, where you learn. We should really focus on this idea because science, innovation, art, they have one similar trait de caractère, okay? And this is the, 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 the need to explore the space. And a part of exploring the space is failing again and again and again and again. And only these three people, three people, which like all of us, they don't like failing, but they are much more curious than afraid from failure. So when they fail, it hurts, like you know, for all of us when we fall down. But it's much more interesting to, for them to think, ah, shame, oh. I'm down here. Why did it happen? What should I learn from it? What should I do about it the next time? This is the team. So a small team, up to three people. You know, these crazy people, which are architects of chaos and strive in a polarity and a beauty, and you create for them a sandbox and you put them aside from the, the, the core of the company. So there we go. So what are we going to do with them right now? First of all, we want to straighten the existing assets. And the second phase is going to create new assets, but within the new business core. So let's dive in. Let's start. Okay. Now, the other three more, more thing I think that we can take for us, you know, to, to, for, for the road is to change our uh, mode of uh, thinking. So all of us, well, we were born, you know, uh, you know, many, many, many years, thousands of years in the savannah, and anything that could have impacted impacted our life used to change. We used to change. We used to be within a day distance, day day walking distance, and that's it. So this is where we, we and and everything was progressing very, very slowly. Meaning, yesterday was very similar to today, and tomorrow probably would have been much similar to today than than in our days. So when we're talking about linear thinking, it means that if I'm going to tell you that, you know, if I'm living in the savannah and there is a very, very hungry lion and I have to step like 30 or to run, better to run, 30 steps, well, you calculate, you know, it's about a meter, she's a, a medium height a woman and so forth. So it's like you, you're, you can tell, if I ask you what the distance that I have to run, well, you're going to say, well, it's about 30 meters. Okay. Now the hidden, uh, uh, I think, uh, um, I think um, the hidden idea behind that is that 
every uh, step is similar to the same one, okay? So then 30 steps, you calculate it, it's very easy. It's, uh, it's you do the doubling and of course it's getting to uh, 30 meters. But what if I tell you that my hiding place is three exponential uh, steps, meaning two, four, eight, 16 and so forth. It means that I have to go over to, to run around the, the, the globe 26 times. I can assure you I would never get to my hiding place and definitely I'm going to be the lunch of this very, very hungry lion, okay? So this is the difference. So we are used to linear thinking, linear and local thinking, and the world is changing in exponential and of course on, on a global scale. So anytime you're looking at each issue, the best advice I can give you regarding that is ask yourself, am I thinking about this in a linear fashion or am I thinking about it in an exponential fashion? Crucial, 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 because the, everything that we are going to talk in the coming you know, lectures and so forth are going to be about how fast things are changing. And I can assure you that today is the, the you know, it's, I would say, it might be the fastest from your yesterdays, but it's definitely going to be the slower from your future. So today and from now on, everything is going to be much, much faster. Okay, just to give an idea how it looks like, okay, let's look at, oops, let's look at this. Um, this gives us an idea about what happened. Uh, oops, sorry, sorry, what happened here? It's not working, I don't know. I just wanted to explain to you that what happened to Shanghai, okay. Uh, Okay, it's not working, doesn't matter, let's go on. So we talked about the conversion, this is another issue, is to think how we, we are thinking about the conversion between um, all the technologies, which there we have the biggest opportunity. So it's not only that things are going to go faster, but in a sense, the technology and the, I would say, the junction and the interlinks between the different uh, disruptive technology or enabling uh, uh, technologies is going to be much more interesting. So we are going to see in a sense that technology is going to be on one hand extremely simpler in one, on one domain, on, on different perspective. In other, it's going to be extremely complicated. And on the other hand, it's going to be very approachable for all of us. So we are going to see vast opportunities. So I think the best uh, advice I can give you is to ask yourself, what else? What else can I do if I do robotics and 3D printing and energy? Hmm. What else? What else? What are going to be the unintended consequences of any of these stages of every any kind of you know recombination and recombination and additive and, and ideas that I have or, or any kind of an additive uh, layers of technology that I'm going to add on? So this is another thing that I think we should think that everything is going to be unpredictable, surprising, and enabling. So this is why we keep saying that science fiction is going to become science fiction in this decade. So we talked about the sandbox. Another thing I want to stress is that in, in, in I think like 20 or 30 years ago, you had to do the whole process, meaning design, test, learn, improve, test, and, 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 and manufacture, and, and, and so forth. Today, we can do it much quicker. Why? Because we have AI, we have 3D printing, 
uh, and we have uh, we have uh, VR and AR. I think one of the uh, one of the good example is of course what happened with I think uh, Airbus and I think also with uh, Bell helicopters, which uh, use all the technology and definitely Bell. They simply cut from seven years to seven uh, months uh, the creation, the pro the whole process of creation a new uh, uh, helicopter. So just to give you an idea how how fast you can you can do things. So the other thing I think is that to make sure that you never try, you never trust your first in instincts. Okay, I keep re I keep reminding us that our our first ideas are the worst ones. Uh, the second in the row are not so bad, but only, you know, after 10, 4, uh, 10, 20 and so forth iteration, you're getting to a better place But because these are only the ideas. But what if you try them? Okay, don't trust your instinct. Don't start, don't trust your intuition. Try, try, try. And these are the statistics. Okay, if you don't try, you have only five percent chance of, of 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 success. If you do only twenty trials, only twenty trials, it's not so much. Look, your change, your your chances are up to sixty four percent. So what happens if you do thirty or forty? And I think about the amount of learning. An experience that you're conveying on the way, and then probably your chances to get to 100% are much higher. Well, we have other consideration, you know, what's happening in the environment and so forth, but still. So, but also what you should think about, so it, it makes you be, you're, it's, it's assisting in getting, I would say, uh, uh, a new, creating a new habit, which is being comfortable with the uncomfortable. So I think it's very important because we are going to all feel extremely uncomfortable in the coming future. So this is if you go out of your comfort zone and you go beyond the fear and all of us experience fears. Come on. I experience fear every morning, every morning. No, there is no question about it. But you just go beyond the fear. You're going to the learning zone and then you get to the to the growth uh, um, uh, zone. Okay. Uh, if I forgot, uh, if anyone wants this presentation, shoot me an email. I forgot to say, and I will send you the presentation. It's for everybody to use. So there we go. So just send me an email. There are oh, there is always email. I'm 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 easy to access and send it to me. So we are getting get, we're getting now into the innovation uh, in the core. So I would I like usually to look at it from uh, three angles. One is when we have, you know, this, you know, it, we have this uh, paradigm, for example, that if we have more people, we used to have at least, so we we should have more officers, more salary, and of course, uh, more cars or whatever. So this is an assumption, okay? So I would like always to, I always ask my clients, please look at where usually you have a, a increased constant spending. It's very important to look, and uh, uh, we are going to talk about what you do there. The other one is the bottleneck. You know, doesn't matter what you do, you you spend, you still throw more money, you throw more human ca capital and so forth, but still it's always getting stuck. Okay, like let's talk about the season, the high season of, of uh, you know, of, of uh, when if you're selling, if you're in retail and you're selling presents and so forth, or if it's vacations on, on the summer and so forth. All the time we have these bottlenecks, okay, if the aircraft, of course, and so forth. But the most interesting, I think, a phenomenon which I think people don't really put enough emphasis in their thinking is where you have anomalies that become a norm. And we have all of them all together. 
in Israel, for example, unfortunately, every winter, everybody are being surprised and suddenly we are all stuck and, and there is no electricity and everybody are stuck uh, in the, uh, you know, and there are floods and so forth. You know, everybody are being surprised or whatever. So I think when you're looking about the animalities that became a norm in your business, or in your category, okay? For example, that every new eleva uh, 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 elevator is getting stuck in the first year. How come, okay? Uh, uh, when you're coming to a new building, you're getting into a building, there are always going to be some problems that you have to fix, why? So all these anomalies that became a norm and the people that you can use in order to simply uh, spot on them are either uh, people from outside of the organizations which are not aware and you can ask them look over my company go around ask people what do you think is you know not reasonable not wise enough not advanced enough in what we do if and if you create for yourself the whole process you know really really put the the whole the create for you a gant of everything that you do in the company okay the whole flow the workflow okay the journey that you know your customers are doing you know your logistic uh, uh, channels uh, streams and so forth look at this you're gonna find many anomalies that became normal or if you ask people who are only new to go to the company and they came from another company they're gonna say mm, I don't know what you're doing this way and it's very important because there is a lot of money that is being you know hidden down there and you can you can use it I want to say something else about why it's so important to look at the core. And I want to use this slide, which is quite an ancient one, but I like it because look at what's happening about the amount of, of uh, photos that are being taken each year. And I want to show you what happened to ana analog photos, okay? So I think what is happening, I'm thinking about if I would have been Kodak or Fuji or any other company, and I'm looking at this, you know, progression, and there is a linear progression, very nice one, at two at 1990. Look at this. Who of you would think that 10, you know, 11 years later, sorry, that's 20 years later, it's going to fall? So what is happening, we are usually because we, we like, steadiness we like security and safety so we look at the trend and say we can say well nothing is going to happen and even at 2000 be honest with yourself would you consider that the end is so near no it's okay this is us this is human we don't like to think that things are, uh, are eventually going to change and drastically and, you know, in, and to the negative, of course. Okay. We don't like it. And I think another, I think another quote, which I dearly adore is that this one of um, this uh, wonderful person who used to be, you know, uh, I think he was, um, he was in charge of, of uh, the petrol manufacturing, I think in one of the, um, in one of the Arab country. And he said to his, to his king one day, okay, he rushed into the into the uh, in the castle, and he says, "I have to say something to the king." And this is what he said: "We have to prepare ourselves." And it was at two thousand, and he says, "We have to prepare ourselves for the end." 
And the king says, what are you talking about? Come on, look at the demand, look at the prices, look how the wealth that we are being, that we are creating every day. And this was his answer, which I think is brilliant. The stone age didn't end of lack of stones. Okay, so I think if you put a question mark on the idea that there is always going to be demand for your products, for your services, then for not any other reason, you're going to be prepared for the future much better than you've been capable before that and definitely before of your competitors. So think about it. The Stone Age didn't end because there was a lack of stone. Okay. So we do that and we look within the organization and what we do is that we use different tools. So I just want to give you an idea, for example, about what does it mean to have uh, disrupt, uh, uh, um, disruptive thinking. So, for example, uh, let's talk about uh, if you're an elevator company, you know, and you, you like to move people around and so forth. And at least uh, here in Israel, there is always a problem when you have this every time you, you, you get into a new building and usually the elevators are getting stuck all year long. And there is a huge fear that, you know, that I'll be stuck, especially if you're a pregnant lady with two children or, or, or you have any kind of disability and so forth. So when we work with them, we went from the whole flow of the whole working flow. And it seems that it was a question, you know, of simply really measuring right the, the, the distance of, of the elevator from each side of, of the pier. And it was like, you know, like few centimeters. And if you don't calculate it properly and you don't put the elevator in the right place and you close the door, it would be it, it, this elevator, which was beautiful and beautifully designed and extremely advanced, it's becoming what we call a sick elevator. And then you need a year long with a lot of hustle and there is a lot of, you know, unsatisfied clients and so forth to deal with this a problem and then you have to change so what we did so of course we used you know some technologies to make sure that uh, it's being placed in the right place but what we did besides that is that we created you know uh, a new uh, i would say incentive for the people who are the builders and and the, the constructor that are in charge of of you you know inputting you know and, and and making sure that the elevator is in the right place so what we created for them is that a sum of money okay the, an additional bonus that they get every month for any kind of um, elevator that there are no complaints and that is working from day one. And what we did is that this sum of money grew along the time for three years. So what is happening to us as human beings? Once we are getting used to getting this kind of, you know, an additional salary, it's a part of our life, right? We don't want to go back. So every time we, you know, we are working on a new elevator, we want this extra money. So there you create a total reshape of the workflow by nudging the team. So I think this is a very nice way to look at it. Another one, of course, is when anything that has to do with what we call, um, uh, a, um, I would say, um, preventative uh, medicine or preventative, of course, um, 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 
maintenance. So it doesn't matter what you have, whether there's a cars or trucks or tanks or whatever. And you get, instead of finding a way to bring all your vehicles to the right place and checking them every year and, and, and making sure that they are working and it's a whole, it's a lot of hassle for any kind of company, instead of it, you create another tool and you look at it differently and you says, well, I'm not going to bring all of them. I'm going only to find out who are the 30% that really need to come in and to be fixed. Okay, and there we use the metaphor of what is happening right now with people who are going to the hospitals. We know right now that 70% of the people who go to the hospitals don't need to be there at all. Come on, they don't need to be there. We can treat them at home or in the clinic near the house and so forth. So once you, you change your, your, the, the definition of the problem, and now the new definition of the problem is not how I do it faster, quicker, cheaper, being more efficient. But how can I identify only the 30% who needs to come in, okay, and how I take care, better care of them? And then you can go further and I say, well, this 30%, you know, how come they're getting in such a severe condition? Is there a way to find out beforehand and to avoid this kind, okay, of situation? So then you have another phase of creating new solutions. So this only to give you an idea of how you take an existing problem, which is a part of every day, you know, in every company's life, and you look at it with the new glasses, new eyes, new perspective, and you find the new solution. It can either be technological solution, but it can also be an old, you know, traditional human solutions that are simply changing, you know, the life cycle of the company. Okay. So you look at it, and the other thing you do is, well, I, I don't want to go right now too deep into the employees, but I want to say something, uh, um, the only one thing which I think is, is crucial. First of all, because we are going to have an, uh, you know, a discussion and, and uh, you know, we, I'm, I'm going to give a presentation about the organization of the future, but what I can assure you right now is that we are definitely not using the capabilities of our employees. We are working in silos, and we are, do, we are working top down and so forth. I can assure you that we will have to change and uh, we will have to work in small teams, uh, you know, which we're going to gather around creating solution to existing problem or uh, to enhance the ability, our abilities to enjoy new opportunity, new opportunities. And then we are going to create new teams to find out about hidden uh, opportunities and hidden, um, I would say, threats, and then deal with them as well. In small teams, breaking the silos, working together towards a towards a mission uh, that should be accomplished very quickly within three months. And the whole thing is going to create a lot of uh, and new energy and bring a lot of, I think, um, um, joy to the people of the, of the people that we are working with. So, I want to talk about now about the customers okay and i think first of all we have to focus on the existing customers and i know everybody is saying it but i think we should do it in a different way okay okay so i want to put on the table you know this used to be our uh, you know used to be our usual way of thinking like 20 years ago everybody who went to a business school learned about porter Porter's uh, five forces model, and we know already that right now we are changing it 
we're transitioning right now into the arena customer model. What does it mean? Meaning we have a customer, we have a need, and we have a solution. And I think just talking about Kodak from this perspective, well, you know, and I know, you know, we are, we are all tired about hearing about Kodak, but I heard this very, very nice notion from my mentor, Peter Diamandis, and he said, well, they thought they're in the business of, you know, chemicals and, 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 and films and so forth. But he says, when you look from this perspective, from the arena model, he says they were in the business of creating memories. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful metaphor, description, description or metaphor, whatever. Because think about it. Customers don't want the camera. They don't want to film. They want to create memories. And once you understand that, that this is really your business, you're going to treat the whole chain, all your supply chain, totally different. And I think coming back to the major question, what is our raison d'etre? the reason that we are here, then it changes everything. And you do that through the lens of your customers and their needs. So take it, you know, a step further. I would speak about radical empathy. And what does it mean, radical empathy? Well, Edie Weiner, my teacher, says it beautifully. She says, well, you simply walk in your, you know, your competitors, your client, or your enemy a mile. And then she says, well, first of all, you're a mile away from him. Of course, you're joking. And also you have his shoes. But <laughs> what she really means is that once you do that, you really walk in someone else's shoes. You create, you, you are capable of creating the best solution. And I'm not sure whether you heard about Patricia Moore. Well, Patricia Moore was... Um, she was a designer in the 70s in the biggest American, uh, you know, um, design uh, company at the time. I forgot its name. Forgive me. And she was working with 350, 350, you know, designers. She was the only woman. And one day they were creating, this is the company that gave the Coca-Cola iconic uh, um, logo and so forth. So one day they were creating the um you know uh, a handle for a new refrigerator and she uh, talked with her teammate and she says why won't we create you know a handle that will be you know very easy for uh, a woman 85 80 85 with parkinson to use and the president of the company or the vice president turns to her and says we do not create products for these people she got so frustrated. So what she did on that weekend, she went outside. She asked for a good friend of her, which is, was, you know, an, an, you know um, a kind of an artist and a, and a painter, but also, you know, a makeup creator and so forth to help us, to help her redesign her body and her face and her movement as a 85 years old. She totally change her appearance and her abilities. She put on lenses that, you know, prevented her from seeing well. And she started walking. 
in the street and experience life as a you know 85 years old uh, uh, um, um, women with Parkinson and then she took it along the whole the way and for three years she was uh, I think she was I think in 200 uh, cities in in New York uh, in in um, sorry in United States she was traveling and then she wrote a book about that and then she created the fundamental uh, I think thinking around inclusive design. This is the, the, it's a beautiful woman. And unfortunately on one of her experience, which uh, was extremely devastated, she was bitten by, you know, 13, a gang of, of 13 years old boys and they kick her tummy and uh, because of it, she couldn't conceive children. But as she says, she would never give up on this experience because now when she says she's likely in the 70s, she says now she's only getting she says mm, it's remind me and she was only 26 when she started this 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 is what i experienced when i was 26 and she got she gave us a total different set of tools for designing and this is why today we think about any kind that right around we design that it should be very easy for five years and for 85 years the same so i think once you embrace this idea of radical empathy, it takes you to, I think, new ideas, new opportunities, and you become extremely innovative just because you had this experience on, of radical empathy. So just to give you an idea, when we are talking right now about um, the fintech, in, in, especially in the United States, so... You know, so there are five uh, consumer uh, uh, pain points. This is a part of, uh, I think, uh, um, uh, uh, Andreessen Horowitz's presentation about that. And once you understand that about, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 60% uh, of Americans right now are incapable of dealing with any kind of problem, you know, that uh, because of it, they have to, you know, spend $400 immediately. They don't have this kind of money. Okay, and you create solution for them. Okay, or if they need, you know, any kind of food uh, stamps and so forth. So once you look at it from this, then you can create new ideas and uh, and 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 you go beyond and you do uh, uh, wonderful things for the universe. But besides that, you earn really good money. Okay, as Peter Diamantis, my teacher, keeps saying to us, is that if you want to be a billionaire, well, create a product that will earn one dollar in the first day, but will touch the life of a billion people. So you see, so I, I won't go right now. We are going to have a lecture about, you know, the future of money and what is happening right now in the fintech uh, industry. But what I want to tell you right now is even if you look at it just right now about what's happening with Vame, for example, or with Cash App and so forth, you can see that they are simply unbundling and rebundling anything that is happening in the, in the, within, within banking and finance in general. Okay. So the other thing is we need to identify uh, emerging opportunities, okay? So, for example, we are talking about mobile payment. Well, you know, uh, I think it was, um, I forgot her name. I think it's uh, uh, and, and Andrea, but I'm not, perhaps I'm mistaken. She's a part of A16Z, in Anderson Horowitz, and she's getting on the, on, the, on the stage. I think it was like uh, two years ago, and she asked people, 
who are you are right now are working in finance and like uh, you know like 25% or 15% raise their hand she says well even if you and and, and then she says angela so her name is angela she is a, a very very nice lady extremely uh, impressing in my and it, at least in my opinion and she then she says well to the rest of them if i meet you like in two or five years from now and you won't change your your uh, business uh, um uh, specialist and uh, specialism or you want to move to another category and you will stay within the company that you work in and i will ask you are you working in finance you know like 85 percent of you will raise their hands because everything is going to be to have another layer of finance why because now we have the mobile you know uh, we have the mobile payment payment and we have we are going to have new a uh, very interesting and and then the ntf and so forth and of course we have the blockchain so all of us are going to have another layer so look at it what can you do in your business with your existing clients with your existing products is there a possibility to add a la another layer okay just to give you an idea well uh in china look it was it got uh, even in in 19 uh to 2019 it got to like a uh, three times nearly three times the the, the level of uh, the total uh, chinese gdp so just to give you an idea and look how quick it went okay it's exponential so i don't want to go into it too, right now too much just to give you an idea I know another big opportunity, which of course coming from uh, the technology side is, is the AI. And as uh, Kevin Kaley, my teacher says, you know, when uh, you know, um, people who are creating companies or you know, startups in uh, 2040 are going to say, ha, I wish I would have lived 20 years ago. Anything they had to do is simply to, to, to take whatever there is and, and put on a layer of uh, AI and and, they, and then they have a company, okay? Like this was what was happening just to remind us 120 years ago when people only added a layer of electricity, connected anything to electricity and suddenly they have, you know, a very successful company. So look at it, look at it, look at it, find what can you, which, which kind, and this is this, uh, this just, you know, this is just, um, the metaphor of look at all the uh, 15 uh, enabling technologies and find out what can assist your business, okay? And create, and then of course, from that, what, how can you create, a, a, you know, what we call um, a, a meta WhatsApp or, or, or whatever, okay? So just to give you how a super app looks like, okay? And just to give, I do just, I tell the story about Maytown. I'm not sure that everybody know Maytown. Maytown is a delivery uh, company in China, and they simply changed the habits of the Chinese people. How did they do that? Well, they decreased the 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 the, the money which is being um, uh, you know you have to pay the charge for uh, each of the um, uh, delivery if to seventy cents just to give you an idea usually in in united states it's about seven seven dollars and then what happened they simply they started with two million people well which is you know this is a chinese market but then they simply you know um, um they simply developed and developed and developed and then once you get to the idea that you're you know and and, and they did it the old-fashioned way not the american way in the sense that they created a real a full you know full stake um operation with thousands of people working and with you know vehicles and then and, and with the with the chores and and then and then you know the full 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 supply chain okay and then what happened if you get used to getting your food you know hot you know warm sorry warm uh, the amount you wanted the uh, you know the taste is good the, 
the supplement, I mean, the, the, the nutrition, the nutrients are very good and so forth. And you keep using it, you know, you know, for every day. And you use it every day and you are very happy with it. What happened if that it, after two or three years that you're using it, suddenly when you use, when you open your app and you want to order lunch or dinner, suddenly on that app, well, you have a, suddenly a new information. Well, if you want to order, you know, a flight, or if you're going on a vacation and you want to find a nice hotel, why won't you use our services? What happened here? This company, which started, you know, with, you know, uh, um, I would say that the business model was, you know, a very, very low margin, but, you know, a continuous and an everyday usage. Okay, they took the 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 the, uh, the untangible asset that they created, which is trust. It is trust, and they converted it to a higher, much higher rate, for less frequent, nearly you know once in a once in a year or a few times a year that you go on a vacation. So they flip the coins in a sense, and they use the trust as a vehicle to create a new business. And within two years, they simply crashed. I don't, I'm sorry about the, this harsh uh, your expression. The leading company in hospitality, uh, um, in, uh, invitation and so forth um, um, in, in, in China. So there you go. So they took, you know, in two years, they simply replaced the one, the leader in the market, uh, in, in the online market, okay, selling of, of uh Applications and so forth. Unbelievable. So just to give you an idea, okay, of course, Uber is, uh, we, we, we all know what happened when you uh, create yourself, you know, a, a live stream that you give lectures about, you know, the how do you launch a startup, but out of it, you create suddenly this uh, whole notion of new products. So, you know, um, if you need some uh, you need lawyer, uh, you know, all the, I would say the whole uh, envelope or the whole, I would say wrapping of all the services that you need if you're opening a, a, a startup. So just to give you another idea about that. Another issue, of course, is accelerating the speed. Uh, we talked about it, but I think this, okay, this just give you, I think this is a very good, uh, I think, um, presentation of the idea. So uh, when we were talking about, you know, uh, the speed or whatever, about the adoption of, of technology, uh, this used to be the old way was, you know, you have the inventors, the early adapters, the early majority, later adoption and leggers, okay? And most, if you look about, and I think it's very interesting always to look about, you know, the um, professional literature that is being written. So if you look at this, the main area was that everybody were concerned. So how can I go beyond the inventors and the early adopters? How can I get from there to the early majorities? Okay. So this was the focus of everybody was who was uh, interested or was working in strategy. Now we have only three phases. Creating, deployment, replacement. That's it. That's it. So you, we need to think extremely quickly and we have always to have new solutions in the pipeline. So just to give you how it looks, just to give you an idea, okay? And this is of course old numbers. Uh, let's say if we talk about WhatsApp or if we talk of, of course about TikTok and so forth, it's so much quicker. So just to give you an idea how, well, how it's going to impact your business, you just reduce 30% of, of you know, uh, anything that has to do 
even in a F F FMCG, well, uh, if you only present it seven months faster, usually you have 60% more in revenue. So just to give an idea, okay? Just to give an idea. So um, I think another thing that we can do is defining the strategy from first principle thinking. And I want to use this example of Tesla. And when Elon Musk was thinking about the creation or changing in, uh, you know, uh, in the, the, the petrol industry, and of course the, the most important part is the transportation, he was looking to find out what is the main reason what is the main reason we are not willing to adopt and to accept, uh, I would say, the electric vehicle as a substitute? And he came up with a very, very interesting idea. We're very simple because this is why it's first principle thinking that you don't want to be seen in such an ugly, funny, uh, I would say, not comfortable, not safe, not reliable car. Because this used to be the image of the electric car. So what he did, he flipped the coin on what we call innovation. Usually when we are th thinking about disruptive innovation, we are thinking about technology which is starting here on low, uh, that it's uh, only in the edges, it's uh, not good enough, it's, uh, you it's not really reliable, it's, uh, it, it might be very, very cheap, but you, you don't want to use it, even if it's very cheap. He flipped the coin and he says, now I'm going to create a new image of what is an electric car. And the rest is history, of course. So he created, you know, uh, 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 something which was based only on, uh, I think, Lotus, but also on uh, McLaren, whatever, the combination in a sense. And then he created this car, of course, which was, and then he says, wow, if you're thinking about electric car, well, this is what it is. And he started, I think it was 250, and then he went down to, to 150, and then to, and now we have the 35, uh, the Tesla 3, which is $35,000. And if you ask people about it, they will all tell you if they got into Tesla that there is a driving in a usual car and there is the Tesla experience. And once you touch Tesla, and listen, I don't have any. <laughs> I'm not a part of the Tesla organization. I'm simply a big fan of, of, of course, of Elon Musk. But I think this is what we should take from him. So even if in your company, in the core, there is something that again and again is not working, I would, uh, I would urge you to ask yourself to think about it again from first principle thinking and put aside all the obstacles all I would say that they can't be done, we've been doing it for years, all of this are, you know, that this is the immune system thing talking. And ask yourself in, you know, in a world where there are, there are no boundaries, endless opportunities, what is the real problem and how can I tackle it? So this is what I would do if I were you. And of course, there I would use all the technologies to find out about that use all these, I, I, I simply remind you that these are the technologies, which is a new web, web of course, that we're going to have. And 
when you look right now, I won't go deep into it, but when you're looking about the transformation, the, 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 the total change that we are going through, you know, it's a reconstruction of the medical field and the health field, this is what we do. We redefine the problem again and again and again and again. And hopefully we are going to defeat like 90% of all medical conditions, severe medical conditions that we have right now in the coming decade. Okay. Another thing, just a side note that I think it's very important that we should take into consideration when we are thinking about technology, that is that each technology get to a point when it drives the cost of the new technology to nearly zero. And what Hod Lipson, which is one of my teachers, and he's a robot, roboticist, roboticist, I keep have a problem with this. He's a robot expert, let's put it this way. Uh, he's an ex-Israeli, an Israeli, sorry. And he's talking about that a lot. And he says, once you get to the zero, okay, uh, to near zero, uh, you know, amount of money which is being needed to use the new technology, then usually there is going to be a disruption. So if we're talking about, for example, about gene sequencing that cost at 2.7, the first uh, sequencing, and it dropped at right now, it's like few uh, uh, $300, you know, to do the whole sequence. And then we are probably going to get to less than 100 very soon and probably to 25 or $10. So it means, and it's going rapidly, the disruption is going, I think it's like um, uh, 600 uh, quicker than Moore's law, we say, so just to give you an idea. So once you get to nearly zero, they're going to be a revolution in the industry. So look around and look at each technology and, uh, and simply try to find out what is happening with the price. And regarding each of them, ask yourself if the price is dropping so quickly, like energy, which is dropping extremely uh, uh, quickly, how is it going to impact your category, your business, your competitors, and your clients? Okay, so I think, and then they're going to be, for example, if we're talking right now about, you know, what is going to be, for example, this was uh, an, another example that he gave, is what is going to happen when you, when you there is going to be a huge drop in, 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 um, accidents you know we are killing right now 1.3 million people every year in accident no one is protesting against this i didn't see any protest you know stop driving the cars never in my life so what happened to the insurance company when we are, we are simply going to eliminate like 85 90% at least in the in the western and developed world of, of accident how is how is it going to impact you know the insurance company how is it going to in, to insurance health how is it going to uh, to have an impact on the, the you know um, on lawyers working in the united states where 51% of all cases in in court are uh, uh, you know are relating in one way or the other to accidents so there you go the last thing I want to go through today is the uncommon collaboration, okay? And I want to talk about the fact that you should look for, you should look for um, collaborations, not from the first, not for the second, and not even for, might be from the third and the fourth uh, uh, round, because then if we're talking about the fact that the, the, the new organization are going to be the one that's really uh, you know, are capable in learning very quickly, okay? They accelerate their learning. So usually when you do it with an uncommon collaborator, 
then usually you are going to learn much more, but also you are going to find, uh, uh, I would say, new clients and competing in non-consumption. Uh, for example, one of one of them was, of course, the relationship that um, Kyle, uh, one of my teacher, created when he was uh, head of innovation of law with Microsoft and totally changed the way people buy paint to their homes, but also created something that Microsoft was striving for, which are the relationship with the end consumers because Microsoft doesn't have uh, enough, you know, relationship, especially when they were working about their VR and AR uh, solutions. So he was, so this was a collaboration. And who would have thought that Microsoft would go and create a collaboration with low, you know, this is totally low tech. This is high tech. This is a huge conglomerate. This is an old traditional retail uh, uh, um, chain and so forth. So look for it. You are going to be amazed that something that you look, you know, for you is a hassle. You know, is I having so much uh, stores and I have to take care of the staff and the, the inventory and so forth. But then on the floor, I have all these customers that I have to take care of. And it's also another, another hassle. For Microsoft, it's something that they miss. So very, many, many times things which are liability for you are going to be a fortune for this uncommon partner that you're going to work with. So I'm going to end here right now. Oh, and I just want to show two more examples. Sorry. One, of course, is Uber and Hyundai. And for me, it was very interesting because I was following Hyundai for a long time and I was very concerned that they didn't do anything regarding, you know, uh, electric car for a long time and definitely not uh, autonomous cars. And what you see is they simply, um, what they did is that they uh, frog lip uh, and, and they simply started with, you know, autonomous uh, vehicles in the sky, meaning uh, uh, flying car, what we call. So this was very, very interesting. And this is a very interesting collaboration for them. Another collaboration that I would uh, uh, speak of is, of course, Tesla and CureVax. So what Tesla did in the middle of the last year, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, they says, well, we want to, to reimagine uh, re how factories are being built. And what instead of having huge, huge factories, we are going to create, you know, miniature, <laughs> miniature, uh, uh, um, you know, factories. So they collaborated with Corvac, and now they can simply, you know, send mobile printers for vaccine and for any kind of, of you know, appliance that, you know, uh, sorry, not appliance, but any kind of medical supplies that uh, supplies that is being needed, you know, in, 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 in far away places in the world, in the most distant place when the, you have no doctors and, and, and no real communication and so forth. So I think this is, you know, and also, of course, creating something good for the world. So I think I will end at this point. It's been a real pleasure being with you. We'll continue next time. I think we will have to go through business model, which I didn't have the time to talk about today. So thank you for being with me. Huge pleasure. Wish you a wonderful week. Thank you.